Welcome back to the Love Your 9 to 5 show, episode number 20. I run two small businesses. One is a public relations company that serves nonprofits, foundations, and purpose-driven brands. And the other is an online community called MaxList that helps people find work that matters. I actually have had two long periods of unemployment, once in my 20s and once in my 30s. So I know what it's like to cash that last unemployment check after I cashed that last unemployment check. I got very serious about looking for work and how to do it in a thoughtful, effective way. Caution, you will begin to love your nine to five with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this episode of the Love Your 9 to 5 show. My guest today is Mac Pritchard. Mac is joining us today from Portland, Oregon. Mac is the publisher of Mac's List. Um, I actually just saw on Mac's profile on LinkedIn that he's actually from Boston. He was involved in as a PR information officer for The Big Dig back in the day. Uh, Mac, of course, is a podcast host of the Find Your Dream Job podcast, author of the Land Your Dream Job Anywhere and in Portland, two separate books, I believe, and I'm sure lots more that we're about to find out. Mac, thank you so much for taking some time and coming on the show today. Well, thank you for inviting me to be on the show. It's an honor. Thank you. Now, before we jump in, I know that I shared a little bit about who you are, but if you don't mind, can you just take us a little bit deeper and tell us a little bit more about who you are personally and professionally and how you, how this kind of all evolved to where you are right now? Absolutely. My roots are in the Midwest. I grew up in Iowa and I lived on the East Coast for 11 years, two years in Washington, D.C., and, and nine years indeed in Boston, and now I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I run two small businesses. One is a public relations company that serves nonprofits, foundations, and purpose-driven brands. And the other is an online community called MaxList that helps people find work that matters. We have a job board, blogs, books, courses, and other services that help people not only find job listings online, but because so many postings that most most jobs never make it uh, to a job board. We also teach people about the nuts and bolts of job hunting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so that's quite a diverse, um, you know, range of services that you offer, but all around the focus of you know really finding that dream job. Now you've done other things. I've seen in your LinkedIn profile involved in politics and PR, and there were other positions that you've held. When was that one moment when you sort of realized that this is your mission and this is what you're going to do, help those job seekers end up in work that's meaningful and fulfilling for them? Well, my purpose in my career has been to serve others and make a difference on issues I care about or in the community where I live and work. And I have indeed had a lot of different jobs. When I graduated from the University of Iowa, it was a long time ago, I, way back in 1980, I wanted to do three things. I wanted to write, I wanted to work on electoral campaigns, and I wanted to do human rights advocacy. Okay. So in the last 35 plus years, I've had a lot of different jobs. Uh, I worked for two international human rights organizations, 
Uh, I was a speechwriter to a governor. I, I was indeed the first spokesman for Boston's Big Dig way back in the 80s. I'd worked on about a dozen election campaigns at, at both the local and the federal level. And I've been a spokesman for public agencies, nonprofits, and today I run two small businesses that are certified benefit corporations. And they're part of this global movement of business as a force for social good. So the moment that when I realized uh, that I that there really was a pivotal moment for me was when I was in college in Iowa, I took an internship in Washington, D.C., and I'd never been east of Chicago. And when I took this position, I learned my basic public relations skills, how to pitch reporters, how to write news releases, but also how communications could be a force for social change. And it showed me how... Uh, the possibilities that were there if I uh, if I had clear goals and if I put in the work and the things that I could do. And I think if I'd never gotten east of Chicago, I might not have seen those possibilities. Oh, boy. Well, I, I've been to L.A. one time, so I, and I'm aware that there is something east of Chicago. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's about as far as it goes for me. Yeah. But uh, okay, but so you've really experienced quite a diverse uh, group of settings of work settings, and been involved in so many projects in really different areas in the country, which kind of um, gives you, so to speak, the rights and the. I guess you can see things on the thirty thousand foot level, where you kind of, uh, you know, have been involved in so many different you know companies and ventures, um, that you know that kind of can really help you, you know, be successful where you are right now. If you don't mind sharing um, with us a particular incident that happened earlier on in your career and that, in your mind, was a failure, and the bigger the failure it was, the bigger the lesson there is for you and for our listeners. And I'm not doing this just to torture you, but you know, precisely for someone who's had such a long and successful career, sometimes these prove to be such teaching moments. You know that we can all learn from, and perhaps learn from there, and start from where your lesson began. I'm glad you asked this question because when I give the highlights of my career, people might think, "What a glamorous uh, background and how effortless it all looks." But here's the deal: I actually have had two long periods of unemployment, once in my 20s and once in my 30s, and I, so I know what it's like to cash that last unemployment check. And the second time I came within one week of, of doing that again, the reason I struggled was I didn't learn how to look for work. It wasn't a skill that I mastered. I could have gone to the career services office when I was an undergraduate or perhaps learned in other ways by through books or mentors, but I, I didn't master that skill. Once I did in Boston, uh, I, after, I cashed that last unemployment check. I got very serious about looking for work and how to do it in a thoughtful, effective way. Once I did that, it took me a couple of months, but that's how I found that position at, at the Big Dig. And I learned the value of having clear goals, being uh, how to do informational interviews, how to network, and how to ask people for help in a search. And the reason that was so valuable was because, again, most jobs are never posted. Uh, in in those years, way back in the 80s, the way you, uh, I thought you looked for work was you looked at newspaper ads. 
Today, so many people think the way you do it is to look at job boards, and you should look at job boards, but the, the lesson I learned from that experience and what I see uh, other people who have successful careers um, master is they get clear about how to look for work. And once I did that, uh, I, I, I found a great job. I will also add that that didn't, even though I, I had success that time, several years later, I had another period of unemployment and uh, I had to get even better at job hunting. So it's, it's an ongoing process, but having that skill has, has helped me not only have success, but most importantly, I think get jobs that allowed, that gave me professional personal satisfaction, but also allowed me to be of service to others and to the community. Excellent. Well, you know, that was a very full answer. And I, I would just add to that, that in today's uh, professional environment, where we're all expected to change jobs and careers multiple times throughout our careers, this is a skill that is becoming more and more valuable, um, you know, in our careers. So really, that leads right into the next part. Now that we know a little bit about who you are, and obviously, that's just really, you know, on, um, you know, just surface level. But let's assume, let's move on to the next piece. Let's assume that someone already has done the introspective work of identifying their own skills, their strengths, their talents, their aspirations and passions, and they have a, a fair idea of where all that is and you know what they are, and, and that's a lot. But now specifically, they're looking now to identify what their dream job should be. They're looking for ways to find it and you know, find where that job is and then to actually get that job. Can you kind of w walk us through the steps uh, practically that someone would need, to would need to take if they're in that situation? Well, first I would say to somebody who has done exactly what you described, congratulations, that's a, a lot of good work and it's going to pay dividends. So knowing what your strengths are is, is uh, crucial. You mm -hmm. also need to be clear about your goals. Often I meet people who are, are looking for work and I'll ask them, what would you like to do or what are your goals? And they say, I'm keeping all my options open. And that's, that's not a great answer because when you're, you, if you're not clear about what your goals are, you make it so much harder for people to help you. I find if I press people, they usually have a short list of two or three kinds of opportunities that interest them. And so I encourage them to say that out loud and say, I'm exploring opportunities uh, in communications and marketing and, and technology companies or nonprofits and, uh, or some other field, whatever it, the answer might be. Because when you say that out loud, people will think of ways they can be of help to you. They'll think of people you should talk to, companies you might contact. But having that goal and sharing it with others is the vital first step. Right. I mean, I, I'll just share that a family member uh, mentioned to me once, you know, when I said, oh, you can come over anytime you're in the area, you know, an open invitation is no invitation. So if you're open to any job, then you're not valuable to anybody until they know you a little bit deeper, until you know yourself a little bit deeper. Yeah. And your most important asset for all of us, whether we're looking for work uh, or just life in general, is our time and how we spend our time matters. So if you're open to all possibilities and you're applying for every job that you see online or that people tell you about, you're, you're just gonna spread yourself too thin and when you do get interviews, and, and it, the odds are you 
you won't because you you won't be as persuasive as people who are clear about what they want. Mm -hmm. But when you do have those opportunities to talk to employers, you're just not going to be an effective candidate because it will become clear in the conversation that you're uncertain about what it is exactly you want to do. Got it. So let's assume that someone has now identified two or three areas. Let's say you said communications, technology, let's say in a for-profit company, Um, you know, just for example. So now they want to actually find, you know, that particular job and, and actually get a, get hired in, in that industry with some, you know, something related to that. What are the next steps that this person should do? Well, once you know what you want, then you have to figure out where you want to go. You have to build a map. So you need to identify the companies that offer the opportunities that you want. And the best way to do that uh, is to go out and talk to people. Now, you should do some online research. You should. Uh, it, many cities will have uh, a local business journal that will publish a book of lists, for example, that will le- uh, give you a list of the leading technology companies. Business magazines in the state will often produce lists like that. There's lots of good research you can do, but don't get paralyzed by analysis. Uh, go out and ask people who are who have contacts in those fields or are leaders in those industries or who work at the companies where you want to be uh, for their advice and their insights about the the best employers uh, who might be growing, who might be adding jobs, because most jobs are filled by word of mouth. They're not posted. uh, And there are estimates out there that as many as 80% of jobs are part of this hidden job market. There are conversations happening about those positions all the time. So you need to know where you want to go. And then once you're clear about that, and you can learn that through informational interviews and research, then you need to get make yourself part of the conversations about the positions that are being filled. Well, wow, so that's really fascinating. 80% or something like that of the jobs that are being filled are not going through the, tra- the traditional means. That means that if, if you're trying to be... Uh, trying to be someone, a rule follower and just, you know, do whatever is expected and going online and filling out, you know, uh, online applications and reaching out to HR directors, you, you only have a 20% chance of actually getting the job. Well, you, even more uh, important, I think, is you're probably only seeing 20% of the jobs that are out there. Oh, okay. And, and okay. then think about, because... There, again, these are estimates, but if as many as 80% of the jobs are never posted, think about how you're spending your time. Many people, because they don't know any better, they think the way to look for work is to respond to job board postings. So they spend 100% of their time doing that. And in fact, they could be missing out on as many as 80% of the jobs that are available. So how do you go about you know, finding those 80% if they're actually not listed anywhere. And, you know, I did my research and I have a general idea of the companies and whatever, but now how do I find those 80%? You go out and you talk to the people who are in the companies that are doing hiring or might be adding people. You, uh, you connect with hiring managers and there are a number of ways you can do this. Uh, first, once you have that list of companies where you want to work, look to your own network. And the two best places to start are LinkedIn. And if you graduated from a college uh, or gone to graduate school, look at your alumni database. 
identify people who are in the companies where you want to be and reach out to them and ask for what's called an informational interview. This is a structured 20 to 30 minute conversation that lets you introduce yourself and share your goals. It lets you get insights into what's happening inside that organization, as well as the field in general. And it's also a way to grow your network because it, in that meeting, you can ask for introductions to two or three other leaders in that field. So this is more of a social interview than a professional interview. That part, You're not speaking to the hiring manager director, right? You're speaking to whoever you know, be it a former colleague or somebody you know from college or whatever. It is a professional interview and it is a business meeting. And when you call it, as with any business meeting, you're in charge. So you've got to lay out the agenda and you've got to be clear about the outcomes you want from the conversation. Even when you're sitting down with a friend and, and a successful informational interview lets you do three things. It lets you introduce yourself and share your story and your goals. Second thing it lets you do is get insights by asking very specific questions. You should walk into the room with three to five questions about that company or the field and uh, developments in that world. And the third thing it lets you do is grow your network because you ask for introductions to people who can help you with your search. And, and the ultimate goal here, of course, is to identify jobs that are either coming up or are being filled, find out who the decision makers are, what they care about, and find ways to get in front of them. And you may have to go through the front door through a formal application process as well. Some jobs, as, as we've talked about, are formally advertised. But for those that aren't, it's these kinds of conversations that hiring managers rely on to find good candidates. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's let's keep on moving with this process. So um, first, I'll interject, you know, as a nursing home administrator, I do have to hire people for various positions. And if I ever could come across, you know, through talking to one of my staff or anyone else that I know in the industry, someone says, hey, I know a great person for your marketing position or whatever other position, that automatically as a hiring manager, that's so much easier um, to manage and, you know, to push that person through the process. And I have, you know, much more confidence that this is not just a resume that might lead to nowhere. So I completely understand, you know, from the hiring perspective, why it's so much easier. You know, if, if I get introduced by a, a colleague and say, hey, here's somebody that I worked with at company X. He was significant and successful at X, and now he could come and do Y for us. You know, that would, that makes sense that that would push us so much further. I'm glad you brought that up because I think many of your listeners have been involved in hiring and can recall similar uh, uh, circumstances. And what's at play here, it's not a conspiracy. It's just human nature. Hiring is a, it's a time-consuming, expensive, risky business, and you want to get it right. So to manage the risk, most hiring managers uh, turn to people they trust or they rely on recommendations uh, from people they trust. So if they've worked with someone before, they know what they're going to get. And if someone they're working with or someone they rely on recommends another person, they know that they that person who's being vouched for is probably less of a risk than somebody who's coming in over the transom. Uh, you, you, as a candidate, having a recommendation isn't going to get you the job, but it is going to get you in the door and it's going to give you an opportunity to 
uh, to compete. Uh-huh. And, and you're doing these kinds of searches, uh, you that can make a big, big difference in getting the job you want. Okay. Now, leading right into my next question is I have the interview and I have that personal connection now, you know, and maybe indirectly to the hiring manager. What do I do now to ace that job and to make sure that I have the very, very best chance of actually being hired for that position? Do something that most candidates don't do, which is spend the time to understand the employer's problems and needs. You need to know what keeps them up at night because employers hire problem solvers. And the more you know about that company's needs, the more you'll be able to make the case uh, to, about how you can solve those problems. Too many candidates walk into that interview room, first of all, without any preparation, and that uh, that just makes it almost impossible to get the job. But you you'd not only need to prepare by practicing answers to uh, possible questions and, and understanding the background of the people you're talking to, but you've also got to understand what their problems are. And you can do some of that with research by looking at the website and, uh, and talking to your contacts in the field. One of the most effective ways to do it is to ask the hiring manager about their needs. And one of the best questions I think you can use to do that goes like this. You know, when you have the opportunity to ask a, a question, you can say to the hiring manager, if I was fortunate enough to get this job, you and I were sitting down in, in 12 months uh, for my annual review. What are the three things you want me to tell you I've done for you? And when you ask that question, usually the hiring manager will tell you something that isn't in the position description, hasn't been addressed in the, in the questions, and you've got an opportunity to listen, learn, and show that person how you would approach that problem. And the odds are good that the other candidates aren't asking that question. So you have an opportunity too to distinguish yourself from uh, in what may be a very crowded field. Wow, I absolutely love that uh, concept for a couple of reasons. I mean, number one is you're turning this interrogation into a conversation. And now even though you're being interviewed, you actually are showing a certain level of confidence that you're asking a question. Another point is that you know, I had we we had on uh, Adam Lieberman in another podcast where he talks about buying questions from a marketing perspective. When you're talking to someone who's looking to buy a car, you say, "Were you to buy a car, would you prefer blue or red?" Without pressuring them to buy a car, but just trying to understand their needs, that on some level already psychologically helps them on you know get past that. Am I hiring? Am I not hiring? It kind of puts the barriers down, and let's just talk you know person to person about the actual job. That gets done. And the third thing is that you actually get to find out what are the real needs of the hiring manager. And then you can figure out to see if you genuinely are a good fit to be a solution to those problems, then you can explain how you would really be a solution to that problem. So that is absolutely phenomenal. I really love that. Uh, I know we can go on quite. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I. I agree with all three of your points, but I particularly think your second point is so important. Because it, once you and the hiring manager start having a conversation about that person's needs, they begin to see you as a peer and as a problem solver. And they start imagining you as a colleague. Exactly. Uh, and and it, that is just so powerful. Yeah. 
No, it definitely is. I mean, so many times people come into an interview with that stress for they just cashed their last unemployment check and they know they have their bills to pay. And frankly, they couldn't care less at that point what they do. I, I just need to get on next week's payroll. You know what? I don't care. I'll do. I'll, let me clean the floors until you figure out what I could do. And from a hiring manager's perspective, is I'm you know it's not a charity fund, even if it is. But this part is the business part, and you know it has to make sense. Now, I know we could go on for for quite some time, and you have a lot more information to share. Um, what is if you had to recommend, other than your own book, which we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes, but if there's a another book that you that you think would really help the job seeker uh, find um, and really help them in this process of attaining the job that's the right fit for them and for the company they're working for, what would what would that one book be? I'm a big fan of the book Mindset. It's written by Carol Dweck. And have you? Are you familiar with it? I am not. I will be, but not yet. Okay. She's a professor at Stanford. Okay. She's a psychologist. And her research shows that people really fall into two groups. There are people with what she calls a fixed mindset, and they believe qualities like talent and intelligence are fixed. Uh, And people who have this approach spend a lot of time documenting their accomplishments, but they don't grow. And there's another group of people, and these are the ones who I see have the most success in a job search and in a career. And these are people with what Dweck calls a growth mindset. They believe you can develop and and improve your talents and your intelligence, and they spend time learning. Uh, They take risks, and uh, they're not afraid to fail, and they will fail. Uh, I, I think everyone I meet who is very successful has had some spectacular failures along the way. Uh, so I'm a, I, I strongly recommend that book. Excellent. Um, I Now I'm even more motivated to read it because I'm a very big proponent of the growth mindset. And I know so many examples of people who were really more limited and worked on themselves to grow past what you know their perceived limitations. So I really am excited to get it and read that book. I hope it's on Audible. That's the way I consume my content. But... Either way, we'll definitely get there. Um, what is uh, something that you're working on right now that you're really excited about that you know that our listeners can maybe watch you grow along this journey? Maybe something at Max List uh, that you're working on right now. We just launched a new course at Max List on interview skills, and it includes information about some of the principles that you and I've talked about, and and we did it because. Too many people walk into that job interview room unprepared. They don't, and and often they they want to get ready, but they're not sure how to do it. And and uh, so that's a, a big part of what we do at Maxless is teaching people how to be successful. And with both of my firms, the public relations company and Maxlist, what unites them, and and again has been a constant in my career, is is service and. Uh, being of help to others and, and helping people not only with their careers, but uh, in, in in the community as well. Okay, excellent. That really sounds like something that some of the listeners will definitely uh, find very useful. Now, if they want to continue following um, everything that you're doing, what is the best way for them to follow what, what you and your team are doing? Visit maxlist.org. And as you mentioned, 
we have a book out, Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. If your listeners would like, they can download a free chapter of the book by visiting maxlist.org slash love your nine to five. And that's uh, love your, and then the numbers N925. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much for, for sharing that with, with the listeners. That is very generous of you. Um, again, I know your time is valuable, so thank you so much for sharing the information that you did uh, with the listeners. And we'll definitely put links to all, everything that we mentioned um, in the show notes for everybody to listen to. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. What a fantastic episode that was with Mark Pritchard. Mark, thank you again for coming on the show with us this time. Looking at our iTunes reviews, we're going to start reading one or two out at the end of every show. And if you head over to iTunes right now, you leave us a nice review. We will have yours featured on a future show as well. This one is from Azul from San Diego. Zul writes, the power of starting something new. I loved the simplicity of this show. The genuine discovery and tone that the interviewer takes is refreshing and charming. I thought the guests were honest, humble, and very helpful, worth the listen. Well, thank you, Azul, for helping us support the show. And if you enjoyed the show as well, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review that will help iTunes show the show, pun intended, to others who are interested in growing in these areas. Until next time, get out there, start living your professional life intentionally, and watch it spill over into your personal life as well.